I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which a number of fans cast their combined eye over goings-on at Leeds United, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Elland Road. I'm John McKenzie and I'm excited to say that we have a couple of debutants on today, so I'm happy to be able to introduce to you Joe Hill Hiya. and Darren Driver. Hello. Guys, let's just go through and have a, a little bit of an introduction to, to you. Just tell me about your, your sort of Leeds United story, how you started getting, it, getting into them and uh, uh, how, how you have ended up coming on a, on a podcast for a channel that looks at the stats and tactics in particular. So let's start with you, Joe. Uh, yeah, so um, I was raised in Leeds, um, lived there for a large proportion of my life um, and probably started going to games when I was about six or seven um so just caught the uh the end of the champions league era and unfortunately started properly holding a season ticket when we got relegated and went down to league <laughs> one um and yeah i've had a season ticket ever since really um and i'm living in london now but still managed to go up and catch some of the games so it's nice to see us heading back to where we belong <laughs> And what about you, Darren? This is my 30th season. I had the first first match I went to was uh, the first home game of the 1989-90 promotion season. So I'm, I'm hoping that this will this 30th anniversary will will mark a, a, another promotion. Yeah, I've kind of fallen in and out of love with the club over over various times. Um, usually, nothing really to do with the football side of things. Usually, more to do with kind of the political nonsensical things that have happened to the club, but. Um, really, Bielsa joining really lit a fire under my love for the club again, and um, and and have really massively enjoyed the last two seasons. Albeit with that Leeds United disappointment, which happens, uh, you know, consistently to us, doesn't it? Mm, it's inevitable, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the best place to start, I think, is to talk about the possibility of us coming back and playing some games. I don't know if you guys have been following the Bundesliga at all. I mean, there's obviously been the 
Belarusian league and a few other the Korean league is back as well but uh, the Bundesliga is top five European league so it's it's quite accessible pretty easy to get into um, and obviously the, there's all those kind of questions about the way that the German um, government uh, both at the uh, the national and the and the local level have dealt with the the coronavirus pandemic a lot better obviously than we have over here so there's obviously questions about the the possible well the practicalities i think of of bringing the the championship back um have either of you watched any of the bundesliga seen any behind closed doors football and uh, do you have any thoughts on on what the the actual process and and experience of watching um geisterspieler football is i've been following it quite closely actually um it's been nice to just watch some live football or some football where i don't know what the final score is going to be you know because i've been watching a lot of uh repeats which has been great but um some I've, i've actually quite enjoyed it i think i've enjoyed it more than most people i've seen a lot of reaction online saying that you know it's dead without the fans and you know it's just not the same and course it isn't the same and obviously I'd, I'd love to be watching football and love to be in the crowd again but um I've really enjoyed watching the sort of intensity of it all and hearing them all shouting and hearing every touch of the ball um and I've found myself really getting into the games and you know really enjoying it actually how about you Darren have you been um not quite as much I've kept half an eye on it um I suppose for me, I, I, I'm one of those people that on some degree needs to have a sort of emotional involvement, um, with, with it. Uh, I've kept half an eye on, on young Harland. He looks, he looks incredible, doesn't he? Uh, I wish we'd have managed to get that deal over the line uh, a little while ago. Um, but, but the, the highlights I've seen, yeah, the atmosphere is very different, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of quite pragmatic about that. It's going to be different. Um, and it'll be different when, when, if and when the championship comes back too. And I think people are just going to have to take that one on the chin to a certain degree. How do you feel about the possibility of watching Leeds in, in those circumstances? Any, do you think you, you think you would? It's just a case of getting it over and done with, get the season done, and and so there's no real underlining of the of the season itself. Yeah, I mean, I I really feel strongly that that um that we're just going to have to accept that difference, and I I'd much rather see it played to a completion than. Than have some kind of ma- mathematical algorithm decide everybody's fate. Of course, that does mean that, that the, uh, the the Leeds United implosion becomes a possible factor in the, in the, in the season again. And and I guess we'll just have to hope that 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 doesn't happen. I mean, I don't think it will personally. But um, yeah, I'm I'm very ready to to watch Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds United again. Do you think it's a, we're affected by the fact that so much of what Leeds are about now is um, just sort of, sort of footballing professionalism is it's it's very clinical it's very reasoned it's it's very structured um and i think you know what's enjoyable to watch about Leeds united is the fact that they are so predictable and it is almost like watching training ground football do you think that is going to have any impact on on the experience of watching them say compared to whether or not we were watching i don't know <laughs> i mean no one wants to watch a, a hecking bottom football team but um yeah if, if you think about i don't know simon grayson team would you would you be thinking feeling differently about this if if there was a different manager in charge uh, joe i think i would yeah i think i'm more confident having bielsa behind us um just like you say every every match is so thought out and so meticulous um we saw it with the ailing goal against Huddersfield where he'd scored exactly the same 
at goal in training the day before. Um, and just everything like that just builds up to, and I, it makes me think that if these guys can do it in training and they're training so hard and Bielsa's really cracking the whip on them, um, that, you know, it's not going to be a problem whether there's fans or not. They can, they can do it every single day. I think as much of a factor in that as well is that, you know, most of the seasons since 2010, there's been nothing to play for by this stage of the season. This is the first, uh, first season other than last year where, where I, you know, in most years I would have been very glad had the season ended in February because it's just, it's been pointless uh, after that. So I think for me, that's, that's a, as much of a factor as, as the Bielsa element is that it's all there. It's all for the taking. What about the fact that, um, Bielsa is obviously a manager who is is scrupulous about fitness and nutrition, etc. As well, I mean, it's it, I think it's easy for us to to talk about the the possibility of Leeds coming back being a good thing because I think we implicitly feel as though Leeds are going to have the advantage in that regard. They're going to come back all uh, guns blazing, all all cylinders firing, and uh, the result will be that it should just be a comfortable um, trot to the to the finish line. Um, do you feel as though Leeds will come back the the beneficiaries of, of a break in the season compared to some of the other teams in the championship, Darren? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel very strong with that, actually, because, you know, we, we are the fittest team in the division, irrespective of the break. Um, I, I know from the things that I've seen that the, the players have been working really hard to, to keep fit and, in, and in, uh, at least in Augustine's case, to get fit. Um, I guess it remains to be seen how well prepared other clubs are. Um, but, I really, you know, I'm I'm very clear that that we'll come and we'll we'll make a really strong start. And if we do, you know, manage not to get over the line, it won't be anything to do with our physical condition. Um, I was interested to see the the pictures of Mitrovic, which which surfaced the other day, where it looked like he perhaps spent more time uh, eating or sitting down than he had putting physical preparation in for the season. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't know if anyone else has, has read it, but there was an interesting piece by Tom Warvel in The Athletic looking at the impact of behind closed doors um, football on the way that the, the structure of the game works. And uh, it, it, it appears that because there's just much less performativity, there's much less um, reaction to crowds, the, the ball's in play longer um, and as, you know, as a general rule. And um, also the, the intensity has, has dropped in a certain sense just to, to, I think, deal with that because I think there's a realisation that you can't play at the same intensity that you're necessarily used to playing at if the game is, is running five, ten minutes longer than in terms of balls in, ball in play than, than it was uh, as well. So I think it, it's really going to be a, an interesting test to see um, how the, the, the Bielsa system um, uh, can can come through that. And the other, I guess the other thing that I'm interested in seeing is is how much the, um, the fact that Leeds are um, dependent or Bielsa in particular is dependent on running routes um, and and having this sort of rote learning approach to a lot of the stuff that that he does. Um, how much of that sticks? How much of that is is immediately um, commensurable when it comes to coming into a game like this? Are, are Leeds going to come in tactically at their peak, uh, and other teams are going to be um, working back up to where they were, or or is there going to be a, um, a sort of knock on effect for Leeds where there's a little bit of rustiness because they haven't been um, training quite so much as they have as a group. Um, so I don't know if you had any thoughts on either of those two two things, Joe, in terms of particularly in terms of Leeds. Yeah, I think there probably is always going to be a bit of rustiness. Um, you know, it all, you just need to be playing games. You can you can train as hard as you can, but there's nothing that compares to a real 90 minutes against a different set of players. 
that you don't see every day. Um, but having said that, I do trust Bielsa, and I think that he's probably working them much harder than a lot of the clubs in the championship. Um, and going back to the ball in play thing as well, I think Bielsa has Bielsa's leads seem to have the ball in play way more than any other squad in the championship. And I think that can only be to our advantage, you know, when, when other teams can't time waste as much and can't play to the crowd and can't celebrate as long and there is going to be more playtime. And I think that's that's a benefit for Leeds. Yeah. I guess we should talk about the, the likelihood of, of football coming back. I'm not actually kept up with it that much. So have, have either of you seen any of the recent the recent sort of posturing by the EFL about the likelihood of, of, of the competition coming back at any point? I'm kind of of the opinion that it will come back. I noticed that the Yorkshire Evening Post had done um, a piece the other day where they kind of made predictions based on a public... Um, yeah, based on things that clubs had said about who about um the likelihood of things coming back, and they kind of predicted that five clubs would vote to cur- um five clubs would vote to curtail the season, and the rest would vote to resume. So, um, I don't know how reliable that is as a measure, but but I've been really interested to see the kind of the politics at play. I think that's been absolutely fascinating, and and much more interesting than the politics of the country in in actual <laughs> fact. Um. The self the self interest is just as apparent. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be really interested to see if and when the final decision is made and when the final vote happens, whether we do come back. But my sense at the moment is very much that, that that's where we'll end up um, with both the Premiership and and the Championship Premier League and the uh, Championship resuming. Yeah, I believe there's there's two votes that have to happen. The first one is um, the sort of contingency plan for how. Um, the season will go if and when it resumes, and then there will be a vote after that on the on whether or not it will go ahead or not. Um, I think the first one of those is on June the first, and it, there's a possibility the same one, the the, the second um, vote could be on the same day, um, but it will have to have obviously have to happen after that. Um, one final question on this then: um, what what's your sort of prediction for how it'll go if 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 it does come back? We we both we're all happy that that Leeds are gonna gonna make it to to the Premier League. I like to think so. Yeah, I mean, obviously, last season I thought exactly the same thing, but this year there's a bigger gap to third place. We've just been... We did have a, a lull in January, but I think we've been fairly consistent. And I think this, like I say, I think this break will will help us and we'll come back fit and fighting and ready to go. Yeah, I really agree. I, I think there are two there are two things that I've kind of been thinking about since the, since the season paused. Um, the first of them is that we always start the season. We always seem to start the season very well, and this has effectively been another preseason. So I'm hopeful that that with with a break um, and with all the work that we've been doing, that we can really come out the come out the traps quickly um, as as we tend to do. The second is is some of the things you were referring to earlier, John, which is that. Um, if football in this country, uh, or if 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 Leeds United's season is is going to be based on it being an academic exercise for Bielsa and a fitness exercise in terms of the players, I think that stands us in really good stead because I think he'll really thrive under those circumstances. So yeah, my, my that's a long winded way, I guess, of saying that I think we'll be back in the Premier League come come August or whenever the season resumes. Champions or not? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I mean I don't think it really matters but yeah why not yeah <laughs> yeah no of course
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right, let's move on to start talking uh, about the squad itself. So in the last episode, we, we spent a long time talking about defensive positions um, in particular. So just to carry on what we've been doing on the Twitter feed, um, just a just a conversation really about where we see the strengths and weaknesses in various positions in the squad where we think we need to to really push on um, and how, how things can change. So with that in mind, I think we'll start off with uh, a nice easy one because in defensive midfield, we have Calvin Phillips, who I don't think anyone would deny, <laughs> deny is, a, is an important part of the team, um, is probably the best player uh, I can think of to play that role uh, in, in the Bielsa side and um, I think we're, we're all fairly positive that we would manage to keep him uh, were we to go up um, so so that's all good but for me actually the defensive midfield position is a little bit um, of a of a weakness insofar as it, that one, our, our strength has become our weakness because we're so reliant on Calvin that that whenever he's not there it, it, there's just such a big gap uh, between between him and the replacements not least because I don't think we really have a, a dedicated central defensive midfield replacement for him um, that it causes problems and we've seen Ben White playing there we've seen Adam Forshaw playing there we've seen calls for Alfie McCalmont to play there um uh, it's and it's a it's a it's a real teaser so with that in mind um what what's the what's your general consensus on on the central defensive midfield position do we need to bring someone in there and how how likely or how um I guess how much of a priority should it be going into into the summer transfer window whatever that's going to look like so Darren what do you, what do you reckon about the defensive midfield position yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. When um, when Ben White played there recently, or what should have been recently, um, he he looked lost, and we we didn't move the ball anywhere near as well. Although defensively, we we looked just as good. The how, the way we kind of moved the ball from defence uh, felt much more difficult. Um, for sure, I agree is a, is is an option there as a backup, but to me, he always looks a bit sort of ponderous there, or like. like um, like teams target him in a in a different way than they than they target Phillips. Um, I agree that we need some reinforcement. Um, my 
prediction would be that we're more likely to develop somebody for that position from from the existing squad or the 23s than we are to bring somebody in um whether that be um McCalmon or 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 another another player um or maybe we'll bring someone in uh, to understudy but but very much it's clear that Calvin is is the guy there and, and will be while ev- while ever he's at the club i suppose i was thinking this morning about um about the gap that Ronaldo Vieira leaving a couple of season uh, before last uh, last season left us with um and how how good it would have been in the long term to have Calvin and Ronaldo Vieira you know fighting for that position but but I guess uh, the finances of the championship don't allow people to hold on to good players that they're not playing do they I think it's a general consensus that getting I don't know how much we got from but it was, was it six seven million seven, seven million seven yeah. million yeah I think the consensus is that for a for a largely untested midfielder to be approached by a Serie A club you you, you sort of just let that happen but I th- what maybe an interesting thing to chat about at this point and something that Josh and I have talked about before is is um, Marcelo Bielsa and youth development because I mean I am I'm a uh, Bielsa stan I will. Uh, go to my grave arguing that the, the guy's a genius and that is is the best thing to happen to Leeds for years um, but one of the things we did bring up in the last episode was um, the the fact that he hasn't ever coached a domestic side for more than two seasons um, and we raised questions about whether or not that means that he isn't maybe as adept at developing youth talent simply because he doesn't really have to so the, in one sense he's he's okay bringing in youth talent we've seen him do that he's been happy to bring in young players but at the same time it, because he has such a small squad he has such a um i think a sort of narrow idea of what he likes and 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 how he wants it to to sort of unfold on the field that there's been questions about about players like McCalman, um, about players like Robbie Gotts, even to a certain extent about players like Shackleton, who's had a fairly um, regular run in the team. Um, and I just wondered whether or not that you had any thoughts about about McCalman in that respect um, uh, in particular. Do we feel as though McCalman's maybe fallen a little bit behind the curve, Joe? Possibly, yeah. Um, I mean, it's prob- it must be so difficult to be an understudy for a position where we have someone like Calvin Phillips. Um Whereas you know he's probably the he's probably the number the first name that you'd put on the team sheet, so for it must be difficult for McCalmont in that sense, but also I think that Bielsa can be reluctant to try out some some under twenty threes players, um, like we've seen with the Jack Clark saga, where you know he just didn't didn't get any games um, even on on loan, and I think that. Yeah, those things will will have added up, and maybe McCalmont has dropped back a little bit for those reasons. Yeah, I'm just looking through the squad now, and just there's a few players who everyone gets excited about because they assume they're just going to get loads of minutes, and then they don't really end up doing that. I mean, Ilan Meslier is one. Um, I, I, we 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 shouldn't talk about goalkeepers, but like Meslier is only getting chances now because because of the issues with Kiko Casilla. Um, Ian Paveda was someone who was everyone was really excited about when he came in, but we haven't seen him um, on on the field yet, really. Um, and then you've got players like uh, Leif Davis, who everyone was excited about after he played in the preseason friendly against Cagliari, um, with the famous very good Davis line. Um, we haven't seen anything of him. Matthias Bogosh is someone who everyone was again another player everyone's excited about but we just haven't really seen any time with him McCalmont's not not started in the league we've saw um 
Pascal Streak come on uh, in the game against Cardiff and be responsible for the for the final goal, the equaliser, and um, that hasn't gone well. Jordan Stevens is, has been in and out of the team, but has has not has really failed to to impress. So it doesn't feel for for all the fact that we talk about Bielsa being happy to use youth players, it doesn't feel as though he's really used any Joe. So what what's your feeling on Bielsa and, and youth? Yeah, I think you're right. I think per- personally, I would probably like to see a bit more of the youth players coming through and getting some game time. Um, Obviously, I'm not a genius like Bielsa, and I'm sure he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, But I think I would like to see players like Gotts, who played against Arsenal and then sort of hasn't really played since. Um, And his, you know, he didn't didn't spark a, a fire at Arsenal, but he was pretty good. And I think with some development, um, with a little bit of first team game time, he could be a lot better uh, in the future. But I think that if Bielsa could play the same starting eleven every single week, then he probably would and make no substitutions. He's quite old fashioned in that respect, Bielsa, isn't he? Like he likes to keep a small squad. He likes to keep a, a very certain stand, a, a very uh, similar starting eleven week to week. I guess my, if I were to have a take on this, it would be that that players who want to get into the first team squad need to really impress in the under 23s and the, some of the players you've mentioned in the games in, in the 23s which I've seen haven't haven't really done that so for example I saw Jack Clark playing the 23s a number of times and he he really didn't pull up any trees didn't didn't look like he was making any impact on even a game at that level I think the the one thing that I've observed is that once a player manages to fight their way into Bielsa's first team they tend to stay there um, and I, I think some of these players are just going to have to be patient because in, in all likelihood, you know, somebody like Jamie Shackleton, as good as he is and as well as he plays, isn't likely to, to impact games in the way that Matthias Klitsch does. So I, th- I think that over time they'll get their chance. They've just got to make sure they take it when they do. It's funny, isn't it? Because they're bringing in these new rules about numbers of transfer, uh, numbers of substitutions, sorry, in games behind closed doors. And I just, I just... I just see Bielsa doing his usual thing and maybe doing one substitution. Everyone else will be changing half the team and he'll be like, no, you know, we'll, we'll keep the players need to be fit for, for next season. We can't treat these rules as, uh, as, as special. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that with the central defensive midfield position to go back to our original point of conversation, uh, I guess the question is, do we, do we think that it, it would be better to bring someone in as an understudy or whether or not we think persist with with McCalman or whether we even think that that's likely to happen under, under Bielsa. So what, do you, what, what, would, what would your gut feeling be, Darren, on this? Would you bring someone in or would you stick with the youth? I, I think I'd be tempted to stick with the youth because they've been schooled in Bielsa's ways for two, two years. They've been training with the first team squad for, for a lot of that time. Um, I think McCalman is very high, highly rated at the club. Um I think to bring somebody in to understudy Calvin, it would be six months realistically before you'd see them anywhere near the first team. So I, I guess my, my sense would be that, my preference would be that they um, bring McCalmont on further. I think that's also what Bielsa's preference would be. Not that I'm comparing myself to, to Bielsa, <laughs> you understand. <laughs> well, wait, EJ, what do you feel about this? Yeah, I think the same thing. I think that Hopefully we can have uh, Forshaw back when next season starts, um, who could potentially be cover. We've got McCalmont. We've seen Ben White play there, and it hasn't been nowhere. It hasn't been anywhere near the level of Phillips. But 
I think that we've got enough options there that we should perhaps stick with it and focus on improving other areas of the team first. We haven't really talked about when Ben White played there because I, I wondered whether or not anyone else felt frustrated that someone like McCalmont wasn't given a chance there or whether or not you think it's explicable that, that you wouldn't risk playing a, a a youngster who hasn't really, well, certainly hasn't made a start for, for the first team uh, in that position rather than playing one of our best defenders out of position and losing his upside there. How, how do you feel about that, Joe? Noel Whelan was saying that he he was really against that and uh, he... He just thinks that Ben White and Cooper shouldn't be broken up unless they have to. Uh, and I kind of agree with him. I think that those two at centre-back is such a good pairing that I'd be more tempted to keep that consistent and bring in someone like McCalmont. I would have really liked to see that, actually. Um, and Ben White didn't really do didn't do didn't really do a good job in, in that position in those games and I think uh, after Calvin Phillips got sent off against QPR, we we and then Ben White stepped up. I think we lost two out of the three games, and the other one was the Millwall win, if that's right. Um, yeah, so it would have been nice to see McCalmont there. Yeah, I think we we certainly lost something when we when we played. Um... Ben White there not least because I feel as though in those games where you're playing Ben White there you want to try and get an early goal and then sit back and, and use his defensive ability um, for, for the better but I think in both in a number of the games that he started there we would we ended up giving away the first goal and then you, you end up with this situation where you've got a, an important outlet for the team who who is maybe not quite so good at distribution uh, and and involving in the build-up play and so you're you have this position position then where you're in where teams are then going to sit deep against you and you're 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 pivot in the midfield isn't able to do the creative stuff that, that your usual pivot is and and you end up just exacerbating a problem that we already have which is breaking down teams that, that can sit deep against us but uh, final thoughts on this Darren did you want to add anything on on the Ben White side of the issue yeah I mean I'm kind of quite old-fashioned in that I like to see players play in their natural position and I think if you take somebody who's arguably arguably the best central defender in the in the division and take him out of your defense that's going to ultimately weaken two areas of the team and, and perhaps there'd be some kind of logic in keeping White in the, in the central defence because he's so good there and taking a little bit of a hit in the central, in the defensive midfield area, the pivot area. But I guess Bielsa sees these players in training every day, he sees them in the murder ball sessions, he sees them in, in the developmental football. So I guess ultimately I feel like I have to trust his judgment on whether McCalman's ready or not. Uh, I want to move on to talk about the eights now. Um, I've divided them into a sort of ball-carrying eight and then uh, maybe a, a little more advanced eight uh, because I think depending on the system that we're playing, um, the, the the player who plays in that more advanced eight will be will be different. It'll be more of a potentially more of a ten, um, but also we 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 don't play a ten most of the time. I don't think I don't consider Mateusz Klick to be to be a ten. Um, so let's divide those in two. So I think on the one hand we've got the the ball-carrying. Eight, who I think probably in our best player in that position is Forshaw, um, and he's the the player that I consider to be the 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 guy that we we've really missed him this season. I, I know I'm 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 outspoken in my love for Forshaw, but um, it's 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 impressive to be honest that we've we've managed to be so good this season. I think without him, because uh, again we've we've sort of always been filling plugging gaps in that midfield. We've either played Hernandez there, we've played. Um, Stuart Dallas there as well and uh, at times Jani Atlioski um god preserve us all um just looking through the just looking through the squad now the the potential that we that we have there so we've mentioned for sure we've mentioned 
Dallas. Um, we, we again, we're, we're very quickly sort of uh, running running low on on potential replacements there. I suppose Jamie Shackleton deserves a mention, but I feel as though, and you've mentioned, you've alluded to this already, Darren, that that Shackleton f- for me feels like a more natural replacement for Click. And when we've played Shackleton in that um, t- that midfield too, um, he's tended to replace Click, and Click plays more the ball carrying role. Um, so again, I, I guess we could throw Mateus Click in there if we if we consider him to be uh, the, the ball carrier, and then and then have someone like Shackleton, who I think his upside does come from the fact that um, he is it, it maybe a little bit more of an advanced player. But I mean, Shackleton is a ball carrier as well, um, and this is where the whole the, the, the sort of dividing the eights falls down a little bit because um, you can you could plausibly have Forshaw and Shackleton playing both in in, in a sort of similar role and etc uh, etc. Et but um, I'll throw it over to I'll throw it over to you, Joe, just for your thoughts on that ball carrying eight position. What do you feel? Do you feel uh, nervous that that Forshaw is coming back from a big injury, where he's had an operation? Uh, he's he's he is coming towards the end of his career, um, and there's no there's no saying whether or not he will ever come back to be the player that he was. Um, and then, what 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 are your thoughts on the fact that we we very quickly lose depth in that position? It is. A bit concerning, I, I think. If uh, you know, Forshaw is fantastic in that position, but when he when he's dropped out because of injury, you're really pulling players from other positions to fill to fill that hole. Um, I think we probably could do with some more depth in that position. We could look to sign a new player or maybe develop someone from the under twenty threes. But as we've said, you know, that's not really Bielsa's way. Um, and it is a bit of a worry that, you know, if, if Forshaw comes back, plays a few games and then he's out with a minor injury again, you know, that could be another year out for him. And that could be another year of us taking Stuart Dallas from his best position, which is one of the fullbacks and taking Shackleton from one, one of his best positions and plugging that hole. And yeah, I don't think there's enough cover for that position. I think we've been extremely unlucky this season with with uh, Shackleton, Gotts, and Forshaw all being injured at, at the same time. Um, particularly Shackleton, I think he he would have got a really good run in the team um, in Forshaw's absence had had he not picked up his injury. Similarly, Robbie Gotts looked like he was after the Arsenal match looked like he was kind of in and around a little bit more than he had been. My my preference again would be to develop Shackleton and and Gotts into those roles. Um, like like you, John, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Forshaw. I think that we, when he's playing in the midfield with Klitsch, we, we, we just look much better, much more dominant. Um, we strangle teams, you know, in, in a very, very clear way, particularly when that, that's combined with Hernandez on, on the right um, coming in from the false sevens eye pro. So, yeah, I, I don't think it would hurt to bring another player in. Uh, in the summer for for that position, I think it's really clear to me that that Dallas isn't a central midfielder, and he'll he'll go in and he'll gamely try and he'll give everything that he's got to do that, but um, he doesn't. He's just not comfortable there, and um, I think it's something about people running behind him that he kind of loses track of where he is. Um, yeah, so that that would be my view on that. I think. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a tricky one. I think for me, the the ten games at the beginning of the season where we just looked unbeatable. Um, I know that we we did give up points, but those felt 
very unlucky in those situations. If you looked at if you looked at the sort of at the stats in terms of box shots, we were just creating way more and conceding barely any. Um, and th- there is a noticeable drop off, I think, when as soon as Forshaw um, drops out of the team. And uh, in many respects, I think this, this the story of this season has been sort of how do you account for Forshaw's loss. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I think, again, when it's all well and good us talking about, about having small squads, but the, the fact of the matter is is that you, you can have a small squad, but if you have injury slash players coming towards the end of their age curve on there, then you, you just cause yourself huge problems as soon as one of those players goes. And uh, it's all well and good having a player like Stuart Dallas, who Bielsa seems to think can just plug in any hole. Um, but... You, you, like you said, you, you're losing out on on the upside of a player in a certain position, and you're losing out on the benefit of being able to bring in someone else who would be able to perform that role better in that position as well. So, uh, again, it's certainly um, a position that I think that we we should think about um, certainly um, getting someone in for. But herein lies the problem, right? And uh, I guess we should talk about this at some point. But we've already got a certain amount of outgoings in terms of players who. Uh, outgoings in terms of uh, money, in terms of players who we're bringing in, who we have to pay for. Um, obviously, cost is a huge amount. Um, uh, JK is also a, a huge uh, outlay as well. People are talking about bringing Ben White in. If we did that, we would have to pay a lot too. So it, it just gets to a position where it does feel as though we we sort of we've sort of gone for it a little bit this season in terms of um, going up and 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 sort of offsetting our costs to next season. Um, so it will be interesting to see how much really is left over from from that um once we once we've paid off all of our uh, outgoings there um victor water i think is an interesting guy and, and if you look at his trajectory at leeds it seemed as though he he came in with this sort of mandate to to try and find value in smaller markets and around europe that was tried and it it was generally seem to have been a failure and from what I hear from behind the scenes at the clubs he he almost has a a bit of a fear now of of bringing in those those sort of risky um, players in terms of uh, league effects so if if someone's playing well in e.g. the Cyprus League you don't know how well that's going to translate into into the Championship slash Premier League, which makes things obviously difficult. So we saw I think in the last few seasons that he's been a much happier bringing in players who are guaranteed to perform well in English football um, which comes with a knock-on right which is that you, you're going to spend a, a, a certain amount more just because by dint of the fact that these players are guaranteed in, in, in English football so for me it sort of leaves you with big problems when you when you're talking about an issue like how do you bring in a backup player for that position if you're a little bit nervous about bringing someone in from elsewhere and, and then that means you're going to be spending five ten million extra on what a player's potentially worth if you get them from somewhere else uh, other than England uh, and and so I think this is what we're going to see this summer it's going to be really fascinating to see um, what what ends up happening I mean a player that has been mentioned a lot is Robin Koch who I mean I follow Freiburg so I've seen a lot of him um, but he's the, that's the sort of player that I think that it will be interesting to see if they if they actually go for and think can we can we get value for him? Um, I mean, even then, it's Bundesliga is a top five club. Everyone everyone's watching the Bundesliga now. There's not going to be any hidden gems in the Bundesliga now. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see to see what happens there and how we uh, get around it. So, um, in terms of the business side of things, how positive are you feeling about the possibility of plugging holes like this, Joe? I think you're right. I think most of the money is 
going to go on players that we already have, uh, whether that's on loan or obligation to buy. Um, realistically, I can't see us spending big outside of those players um, in the summer. And what we have seen with Bielsa is that even if we do bring someone in, it takes them six months to get up to speed. I think Eddie Nketiah was a great player and good enough to to play for Leeds and good enough to replace Patrick Bamford, Bamford at some points, but he still didn't get in the team. I think Bamford went eight, nine, ten games without scoring, whatever it was, and we still saw him start every game. And you know, he he obviously Bamford has an incredibly high work rate. Um, but I think it just shows that even if we do splash out and bring someone in and spend 20, 25 million on someone, they're probably not going to be starting until October, November, until they're up to, up to date with Bielsa's latest tactics. So you think it's a loan is it the most likely way that we're going to be able to, to bring in new players then? Potentially. Yeah. I think that'll be a way of keeping the cost down. I think if you're, if if I'd love to see us go for Ben White, um, which is probably twenty million plus. JK is uh fifteen million, I think it is. Harrison, seven million, so that's already quite a lot of money and Costa as well, right? Costa so what's Costa? Costa. Uh, fifteen or something? Yeah, another fifteen, so off the top of my head that's looking like fifty million ish. And Meslier for five million too, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we're we're already spending quite big just from keeping the players that we already have and yeah I think maybe maybe a couple of loans will be a, a good way of sort of bridging that gap without blowing the budget. I suspect the market will be slow anyway um, for next season due to the, the kind of coronavirus shutdown. I think football's finances are going to look quite different for a few years so I think it'd be really interesting to see how, how that impacts what business we're able to do. I think it's really interesting, John, earlier that you mentioned about how Arta is reluctant to, um, seems to be reluctant to take a punt on players now. But I think it's, it just kind of occurs to me that, that Klitsch and Alioski are both still in and around the first team picture, you know, who were both exactly the sort of player you described, punts from kind of um, European clubs, that, that hidden gems, if you like. Um, I might be reluctant to call Alioski a gem, exactly. But um, <laughs> he's certainly but, hidden something, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. This is really fascinating. I wonder whether or not, as well, even I mean, I'm just speculating here, but whether or not we end up not extending uh, an obligation to buy. I don't, I don't know if how many are, that there are open for us to not extend uh, if we get promoted or and so I wonder whether or not there we may be tempted to ju- just let someone go because we feel as though we're getting bad value for money just because of the way the market's going um I suspect not but it would be interesting if say someone like um Augustan they just they they just ended up ditching because they were like we can spend this money probably more um with with more value somewhere else um I hadn't hadn't really thought about that and I think it's also going to be I, I'm also a little bit nervous about the idea of us going through this this process of um, loaning to with a with a with an obligation to buy, and whether or not we do that again next season. So we bring in some players on loan, and then you you end up sort of 
having to you're sort of pushing at the at the door that we ended up pushing in in the early 2000s where you 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 put everything on staying up in a league and and your financial obligations are dependent upon performance which is all well and good until something goes wrong and then and then you end up being back at square one i think we the the days of uh, uh parachute payments are numbered and i don't think we can necessarily um take that for granted um so when when people talk about the playoff final um being a being a 200 million pound game 90 million pounds of that comes from parachute payments um as soon as you lose that i mean you're halving the amount of money that you're getting from being in the premier league which obviously is still no no small sum but uh, again you're 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 reducing the the financial viability of of your model as soon as half of the half of the potential prize money is gone so there's there's a lot of questions that need to be need to be asked here and um i th- i think it will be really fascinating seeing how Leeds united's uh, transfer market goes this summer but we're in danger of 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 moving away from talking about on pitch stuff uh, entirely i think the the consensus that we're getting is that it would be nice to see someone uh, as a backup to foreshaw um and then with the cover that that sort of Shackleton and Klitsch uh, offer as well, there, um, I guess that there's, it doesn't feel like we've got any youngsters really coming through who who sort of fit that ball playing. Unless I'm forgetting anyone, I, I consider Bogosh to be maybe the more advanced sort of player. Um, no, and Kenne is, is is obviously a, a bit of a deeper player, if not a defender, and may may even convert to that um obviously tyler roberts is is a question that we'll get come on to soon but other than that i'm like i'm really struggling to think of anyone who really fits that that mold so i do think that 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 is an area that is quite weak at the moment but let's move on to talk about the the more advanced eight because um that's quite a fun position to talk about anyway so i think we would all agree that Matthias click i think is the is the best player in that role unless potentially i mean there is the option of again him playing in the foreshore role and then maybe having uh, hernandez as 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 the more advanced central player um but i think we would all agree that Matthias click fits that that profile quite well and then i think jamie shackleton as the as the backup to him we would all be happy with so then it's just a question of um who do you have as as potential backups and i think tyler roberts has to come into that conversation although i do consider him to be a forward these days um i see his, his upside more in that area uh, Mateus bogosh as well it's easy to forget how young he is um and i think that he will eventually be um sort of touted as the replacement for hernandez i know we've run this josh is running this series on on replacements for hernandez but i do consider him to be the 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 sort of fill in there um but then beyond that i don't think there's uh, there's really much you could do. I guess um, Perveda, you could technically play in the middle, but I don't think we'll ever see him play there. Um, but yeah, I'll hand this over to you, Darren. What's what you're think, thinking in in this terms of uh, in the terms of the attacking eight? Yeah, Klitsch is is obviously the you know the man there now, and I guess I'm thinking that yeah, he's played however many games it is, 407 games without a break. <laughs> That's not going to go on forever, is it? You know, eventually we're going to have to take him out of the team, and I'd be really interested to see a Bielsa team without Klitsch playing. We've never seen it, right? <laughs> that's yeah, the crazy no, that's, thing, right? well, apart from it, have we seen from, it in the League yeah. Cup maybe once or twice? But yeah, yeah but not many in that, competi- competitive not, not many. Games, yeah. No, that's right. So, uh, yeah, Shackleton, Gotts perhaps is is the, is the other option there. Um, I like you see Tyler Roberts as a striker. Um, not really as an attacking midfielder at all. Um, so I think again beyond beyond Klitsch and Shackleton, I think I think there's 
if if you think about it as a pool for two positions, I think I think we're a couple, we're a couple of heads short in terms of people who you could comfortably slot into the first team, um, and and who've got the ability to kind of really make an impact there. But but f- you know, while Everclitch is fit, while Ever is able to run, it's pretty clear that he's going to be on the pitch um, at the start of games, and I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with that. I think he's, you know, he's he's quietly in this season at least more quietly than last season been pretty one of our better players all all year I think he's you know he's an outstanding uh, midfielder solid isn't he I think that and as a result of that maybe goes under the radar a bit just because you expect him to put seven eight out of ten performances every week um Mm. and 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 as a result there isn't really like a standout performance that that makes you really aware of it although I think maybe the Arsenal game was possibly that for him and a really good a really good sign that he will perform well in the Premier League. Uh, Joe, what do you think about about that position? Yeah, obviously, Click is uh, is the number one in that position, and he's he's shown us time and time again this season that he does all the hard work. And like Darren was saying, he does it quietly, sort of slips under the radar, and then you realise that he's been putting in you know such a great performance and consistently throughout the whole season. Um, I do really like Shackleton. I think he's really promising and the games that I've seen him play in, he's been unbelievable. I I love his pace and his ability with the ball and I would really like to see him develop as a number two to click in that position, if not, you know, in a few other positions where they might need cover. But I think between click and Shackleton we we kinda have a good a good pair there. But Having having said that, you know, some more cover in that position wouldn't be wouldn't be a bad thing. The thing I really enjoy about about Klitsch is that he, he never picks the wrong pass. His decision making is is outstanding. Um, obviously, the pass doesn't always come off, but that's a, that's a different thing. But his his kind of in game decision making is is probably the best in the squad I think. Yeah, I and I think in that position as well it's that's so important if you consider him to be a sort of pivot between the midfield and the, and the and the forwards um it, it again it, it it's it's a testament to Bielsa I think that you know in each position that he's got players who just seem to understand the system and and seem to fit the system and and that makes me think that a lot of this comes down to the fact that the Bielsa tweaks the system around the strengths of the players that he's got there as well so it's it's sort of nice quite a nice symbiosis of of having players with talents um, fitting into a system that really respects those talents as well. Um, we could talk about these players all day. Um, I think we'll leave the, the front three for, for next time. But let's just talk a little bit about Pablo Hernandez because I think he's he's one of those players who really complexifies a lot of this conversation because we are in a system now where Jack Harrison is going to play on the left all the time. I, I, I see a lot of people talking about him playing potentially on the right, which I think is a good conversation to have. But I think as things stand, the system that we play with that asymmetry where we have um, Harrison playing as pretty much a classic winger um, and then and then maybe a little bit more of a of, of a deeper player on the right, although again, that's complexified by, by Helder Costa. Um, you then have the issue of like where do you play Helder Costa and and how do you feel about Helder Costa and if you feel as though Helder Costa should be playing on the right which I do the question then becomes where do you play Hernandez um and so I suppose yeah my question is is do we see how do you fit Hernandez and click into the same team and and 
does that maybe solve our problem of 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 the of the ball carrying eight? Is it simply the fact that we just play two sort of more advanced eights and rely on the fact that Click can maybe drop a little bit deeper? So yeah, Hernandez, what do we feel about him in terms of the central positions? Uh, Joe, let's go with you first. I think it's a really interesting question, particularly when you consider um, that Forshaw will, hopefully will be coming back, and then you're looking at Click, Forshaw, and Hernandez. In the same team, how's that going to work? You know, maybe that means pushing Hernandez out to the wing, but I think given his age and you know, given what's happened this season with a f- little few little in- injuries here and there, I think he's probably better um, dropping in and leaving the the wing to Costa or wh- whoever else. So I think as as he gets older, he's going to drop out of the team more and more um, even though he is an incredible player I just think that he won't be able to play 90 minutes week in week out um, so we might see a situation where Forshaw or Click uh, is on the bench and they replace Hernandez at, at some point in the game at 60 minutes or something In my view is that Pablo is our best option wide right and that's very much where I like to see him play. Um, in terms, I, I totally hear what you're saying about injuries and, and age catching up with him a little bit there, there, Joe. But I, look, I saw a statistic last season, which was something like, and I can't remember the exact figures, but it was something like Pablo's never played more than 35 games in a season in his career. And, and that's largely been down to hamstring injuries throughout his career. So I, I don't necessarily think that he's, he's kind of body is giving up on him so much as he's always had this, this, potential for for injuries to 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 come on um i think when he plays on the right he's just got that little bit more freedom um to kind of drift about where he wants to play whereas i think those those two eight roles are, are much more prescribed in terms of um the the discipline that's needed and and the defensive roles particularly that need to be fulfilled in that um he whether he plays on the right or whether he plays centrally, he kind of picks up that half role very well. Um, but I think when he when he drifts inside from the right, it creates even more of an overload on the right hand side than than when he sits in the middle and, and finds it from there. Um, for uh, he's been the best player at the club since he walked through the door, in in my opinion. And every time he's on the pitch, it's like putting a brain in the team, which which isn't there otherwise. Um, so for as long as we can use him as a as a start starting player, I I, I suspect that Bielsa will, and I, I definitely would. Not that I'm a fan at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a really interesting question because we started off last season with with that asymmetry where you have Pablo on the right and and Harrison on the left, and the and the the, the tactical sort of um, force of that is that is that you you overload through Hernandez on the right and you try and isolate. Um, um, Harrison on the left and with someone like um, Ailing at the moment just absolutely dominant in terms of getting forward on the right I just think I, I really like the idea of going back to that original system that we had but obviously we've got to a position now where we're playing two classic wingers in in Costa and, and, and Harrison and it does it does really it does really change the tenor of the team tactically and I'm really fascinated to see what um, what ends up happening there? Um, I, I think I might be tempted to go the route that Darren does, but then, then the question is: Well, do you, do you then just keep Costa on the bench 
as one of your better players and one of your more expensive players and one of the more highly paid players um and how do you how do you do that and um i guess the question then becomes whether or not hernandez starts on the bench and just comes off as a, as a bit of a changer a change up in, in late in the game as well but i mean i guess this is a nice problem to have because there's there's a lot of uh, scope to do various things uh, in in different situations and if we know anything about bielsa it's that he can get players believing in the system and and that means that he might have a little bit more leniency and or at least a little bit more scope in terms of what the players are happy to accept in terms of sitting on the bench but guys thank you so much for for the last hour it's been a really really interesting conversation i've really enjoyed it um it's it's like you guys have been podcasting forever so um before we go could you just let uh, people know how they can follow you on twitter i think you're both on twitter right so joe where where are you found on twitter so i'm on twitter as joe hill 96 and Darren? I'm just checking. Uh... <laughs> it's just Darren Driver, I think. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Nice and simple. I hope you've enjoyed the whole process of making this podcast as much as I have, and uh, hopefully we'll see you again at some point soon. For those people who are uh, not following us, we are at All Stats, aren't we? We have a Medium page, which we're putting stuff out when we can, um, and we have various other things as well. But the best thing to do is just follow us on Twitter, and you'll see things coming out there. Um, And so thanks, guys, and we'll speak again soon. Thank you. Thanks very much. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.